Episode 7 with Sister Florence. Where meditation meets daily life, this is the Meditation Freedom Podcast. Kronos, Kairos. Kronos is clocks, deadlines, watches, calendars, agendas, planners, schedules, beepers, phones. Kronos is time at her worst. Kronos keeps track. Kronos is the world's time. Kairos is transcendence, infinity, reverence, joy, passion, love, the sacred. Kairos is intimacy with the real. Kairos is time at her best. Kairos is spirit's time. We exist in Kronos. We long for Kairos. That is our duality. Kronos requires speed so that it won't be wasted. Kairos requires space so that it might be saviored. We do in Kronos. In Kairos we're allowed to be. It only takes a moment to cross over from Kronos into Kairos, but it does take a moment. All that Kairos asks is our willingness to stop running long enough to hear the music of the spheres. Sarah Ban Brednock So that's one interpretation of Kairos versus Kronos. And I like the next one a little bit better. It's a little more intimate and playful and maybe a little bit less dualistic. Kairos is sacred time. It is the fullness of time revealed in this very moment. Kairos is the wholeness and love unveiled in this transparent present. Kairos is the falling away of Kronos, where means have no ends except the creation of further means. It is a coming home, a resting in and upon the ground of our common being. Kairos is time made intimate, a spacious holding that surrounds and permeates each experience. The Kairos nature of each moment invites us to trust that every moment carries within it all of the resources needed for that particular moment. Kairos is the revelation of a love that is not the effect of any cause, a love that is ever-present and beyond every cause and every effect. Kairos reveals a peace that cannot be created, that depends on no condition. Kairos is an eternal presence that cannot be earned or attained, because it already is. It always is, and it is ours for the uncovering, for the allowing, for the experiencing, within any now of our choosing. And our next guest named her retreat center Kairos, and thus was inspired by that idea of Kairos. This is a retreat center in the woods north of Spokane, where people can come of all traditions to practice mindfulness, meditation, prayer, contemplation, and have some stillness, have a refuge in stillness. Take a break from the busyness of daily life. And then hopefully bring some of that stillness and practice back into their daily lives after they've gone to a retreat for renewal. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast, and today's interview is going to be with Sister Florence Leone of the Franciscan Sisters of Philadelphia. She's the founder of a retreat center in the hills up north of Spokane in Washington State. She and the retreat center have a very special place in my heart because this is the place I went to for at least a dozen years and practiced. And Sister Florence and Sister Rita were 
the people holding the place, uh, holding the space, and taking care of the retreatants, whether that's with food and with their energy and their love and kindness, as well as their own wisdom. So a little bit about Sister Florence. She had a call to a ministry that would give busy people an opportunity to experience a more prayerful and contemplative environment. And that's about 40 years ago we're talking about now. In Detroit, she participated in a House of Prayer program and then helped begin the Still Point House of Prayer in upstate New York. Then when she returned to the Pacific Northwest at an invitation of one of the directors of the Immaculate Retreat Center, she then established the Kairos House of Prayer in a brick house on the grounds of the retreat center about 30 to 40 acres north of the city of Spokane in Washington State. And she has since maintained and managed this contemplative retreat center for over 40 years and has only one person helping her, Sister Rita, who arrived over 20 years ago to help Sister Florence. And what's special about this place is that it is a contemplative setting in nature with hills and animals, lots of wild animals. Also has a large meditation room and private rooms as well as private hermitages. But what's special is that they attract just contemplative people from all kinds of traditions and small groups. And Sister Florence and Sister Rita both do not make any effort to attract people to this place. And they're about as busy as they want to be with these groups and individuals that arrive regularly with no advertising or public relation activities. And they take individuals or groups up to 20 people at a time to help them, provide them with solitude and support. And Kairos is also not part of any other larger ministries or the Diocese of Spokane. It's independently incorporated and survives entirely on donations from friends and guests. They have no other forms of fundraising. They charge a very small fee per day, and they don't deny anybody who really needs some Kairos time for a lack of funds. And just a little bit about the retreats. When I go on retreats there, in my particular Zen tradition, what we do is we arrive there, you turn off all your phones, all your gadgets, and you go into a routine. Another way to see it is a retreat form, a particular form or container of practice for our particular tradition. And in, in our case, that's completely silent. So we do all these meditation all day and sitting, walking, standing, meditation, uh, doing working meditation outside, inside, and cultivating mindfulness in all our actions in each moment. And all of it's silent. The sisters, they'll do all the cooking, which is wonderful and delicious. And But it's all quiet. It's all silent until the end of the retreat. And then at the very end of the retreat, uh, we typically celebrate. And oftentimes they would make a big cake or something like that. And we just have a, a great time. That's the time when everybody gets to talk. And so we'd all, always get a, get a chance to see and hear the sisters just for a few minutes. All that time during the retreat, when we didn't see them, we could feel their presence and their contribution of their own practice into our particular retreat. So it's a wonderful place to be. You already feel that energy that supports in, in you allowing you to let go of all your worries and stresses of daily life and just to be. And just a small note, 
Christina, my wife, was there at the interview. She wanted to visit with Sister Florence. You'll hear her ask a couple of questions during the interview as well. I could say a lot more great things about this retreat center, but let's get started with this interview with Sister Florence. I'll do my best. I, I'm i not a learned in any field of theology, anything, but no, my life has a... taught me some truths that I live by, and that's where we are. And for me, that's what this is about. This is about the practical application of of our practice. Very good. And yeah. the theory, I'll let the scholars worry about that. Good. You know, I'm more interested in the wisdom part. So, yes, that is all people wanted. Right. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. First of all, I want to thank you so much for being willing to do this and being on the audio podcast. And then maybe before we, we talk about what you're doing here with Kairos and the wonderful things you've done here, maybe you could talk about uh, how you got started mm-hmm. in this sure. pa- on this spiritual path. Yes. You put a finger up when I've talked enough so we can move <laughs> okay. on. Okay? All right. <laughs> um, I was teaching... Uh, and uh, I had, I picked up an article by um, uh, Sister Ann Chester uh, and the major superiors of the religious communities in the states every year have a leadership conference. And at that time, if there's any need that is expressed by the majority of people, they, they do something about it. And so an article was in a magazine on Houses of Prayer. So I read it, and then when my provincial came to visit, uh, she said uh, it was around, what would you like to do if you had another choice in your ministries? I said, well, I would like to have a couple rooms that are vacated in our novitiate building, and uh, I'll do dishes, I'll sweep the floor, I'll make the beds, but provide a place for, uh, at that time, for the sisters who had been on mission for a long time and had never really had a retreat as such. So she called me into her office a month or two later and she said uh, that she was releasing me to go and to look into Houses of Prayer. And so from there I went to Detroit, which was the center for the beginning of Houses of Prayer. And different communities established a place for people to go. But I went up to Gloucester and I went to uh, Detroit and I went uh, above Albany to Round Lake. And then I knew that coming back here was wise because I taught here for nine years. I knew people. I liked the place, and the bishop was a very prayerful man. So that's how I started, and I sit here before you to say it's like a dream. It's like a dream, like I was not the organizer, I was not the carpenter, I was nothing. But people came and did what needed to be done, and it's like a dream, I Mm -hmm. swear to you. So uh, if we put it in other terms. Uh, it was God wanted the work, or it never would have unfolded. Then we looked for a place uh, for almost a year, and this house was for sale. We didn't have a penny. 
and we stayed with our sisters for nine months after we left the first house and uh, we um, we stayed uh, uh, we were looking for a house and I said to Bishop what what do you have in mind he said well Mary Cliff and I thought no it's too big and it's too far in the city and I told him and he he honored the fact we wanted a place out in the country uh, we had permission to raise funds we raised about 21,000 and that bought her husband out it was a divorce and so he had left and that was his share and um, she said um, we paid we raised 21,000 so he was paid out of the picture what was left we started we just had the carpet the fella come in and start making some changes but in 1976 we bought this place we bought the barn we bought 27 acres hold your socks for 51,000 oh, wow. now if that wasn't God's work too you know <laughs> And so we started, and uh, m my intent was to offer a place. It, see, I, I have a belief that we're all directed by our unique history, by the things that we respond to, people and ways of being, and of seekers and spirituality. And I, how could I give the same thing to everybody? So we will have a house of prayer, contemplative, and the silence will be number one, and the rest and withdrawal time from the busyness, and then see what comes of that, and go with what is unique to each person. Mm -hmm. And so it was that. Now when a group comes like yours, they're already on the train. So we just respect and honor that, and we don't need to, any input because they've all chosen. But when we have individuals, that's what we do, is try to make a home, and by loving and caring, that they too know the truth of their own wonderful being. Uh, we, want, uh, to, we want to do God's work, mm -hmm. not what I think is best. How do I look? When you decided on the name, you used Kairos. Mm -hmm. What brought you? Yeah, I was when I was at the first house where we were, I had to get a name for the paper. She had come and done an article, and she said, I'm waiting to get this in the spokesman, but I need a name. And I didn't have a name. And all the people up there at the retreat house were, they were making fun of it, giving me silly names. <laughs> but they cared. It wasn't to be mean. And so... Um, I went to the chapel and I took a book. I just picked it, like I say to you, it was just all of the running stream of God's leading in there. And I picked up this book and I opened it to it and I started to read. And he used the word kairos in contrast to chronos. Mm -hmm. Chronos is time living. Kairos is always monetary, always present moment. And so I it was the word. Still means the same. Mm -hmm. And no past, really. Past is past, no future, really. We don't know. Can't go back and get the past and bring it up and can't go and get that. So present moment is the secret of saintly living. You know, I can pray a cup of coffee 
uh, I can pray sweeping a floor, not by what I think or say, but by the inner attitude of service and of love that we that we can. It's an atmosphere more than it is uh, telling you what to do. You know, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And what kind of practice do you personally have to cultivate that yeah. stillness and and get in touch with that? We do a lot of, uh, well, you know what we do when we have people here. That's a lot of cooking. But we start our day um, with, uh, with meditation, a contemplation, quiet, prayerful, present prayer. And uh, we read it from our scriptures uh, that are written out for us. And um, we have our communion service. And then we listen to something that's on the topic of building a spiritual life by very sound, good teachers. Some of it is uh, Tibetan, and some of it is Buddha. I have one on Jesus and Buddha. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And why should we differentiate and hold against another what we're all called to the same way? Ultimately, we are called to the same way. You just find it in different ways. And you must have recognized that early on because Kairos allows people from all kinds of religions to practice here. Mm-hmm. I knew it had to be that too. I didn't ask anybody, even the bishop, but I knew that as they come and God's work will be done, we're just here to facilitate in whatever way it occurs to us. You know, um, I can't emphasize it enough, but I say what's true. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you another little thing too, is being human, and I know this from my own life, is that um, we like to feel good and accomplished, and in our meditation and our prayer, we can feel that we have done our duty. Can I put it that way? And there's there's an inner attitude that says that whatever the moment holds, you hold it in a prayerful way because to want the pleasures or the consolations and they don't come, then we usually don't go back. We want things to satisfy the human person. You see what I say? People will go to a retreat, that was so wonderful. A week later they're back into the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, uh, so uh, we learn to live what we would call in our Catholic Christian way would be uh, the way of the cross to enter the human suffering that people go through in this journey of life and the the um, resurrection joy that that there is there is a place for us, however we understand that, uh, because of our fidelity to the journey. And uh, a lot of that is just plugging away. You don't get anything for weeks or months. But the saintly people who've gone before us encourage us: don't expect anything. Receive what is given with thanks. Mm-hmm. With thanks, everything has a purpose. You mentioned earlier, you touched on how people have very deeply conditioned habit patterns and they come to the retreat and it helps them loosen it up a little bit, but it's still very easy to go back 
exactly. and fall back into that pattern. Mm -hmm. So what would you, what would you say uh, as an advice to someone who, who struggles with that uh -huh. integration of what they've just learned in a retreat or... Yes, it's a good question. Uh, what I tell them is that first of all you have to will it. You have to really commit yourself to it and expect that you will make mistakes or fall along the way, but it's the faithfulness and you must find a way to enter the silence and let nature teach you the wisdom that is within nature and to broaden your inner scope so that you're not here, but we're here for one another. See, what you do or you do ups me or downs me because we're one human spirit in different bodies, different, but we are the one. And so um, those people, I would say if you choose to continue in this, it's important what you read, it's important uh, that you watch your judgments, it's important that you say yes to the moment, no matter whether it's painful or it's glorious, say yes, say yes. For some reason, that is the way the human being lives. Is We vacillate between things that are good and we feel good and things that are down and we feel down. But if we offer all, we enter into what we Christians call the suffering journey of Christ, which in the end is fulfilled in the glory. That kind of a thing, see? And for you, too, is that you clear the mind you clear the mind and you sit in a state of receptivity am I right mm -hmm. without the busyness I call it to the people I direct is uh, get behind the thinking mind get behind the thinking mind well that's a big one it's big for all of us but if we stay true to the course we'll change we will change and that's by God's grace. That's by the truth that lives in you and you in me, is the truth is we're more than our bodies. We're more than our thinking mind. We are wonderfully made. And we are made in the image and the likeness of God. What else could you ask? But we don't get it because we have so many things distract. that distract us or that draw us. And I read just the other day the three uh, things. The first one is materialities that draw us. That's the only one I remember, but there were three of them. I thought, yes, we complicate this way we live by putting our time and efforts into things that are passing. Mm -hmm. You know, we do it. It doesn't make us bad. It just means the journey has to go on. No you know mm -hmm. and so I know that in Buddhism Sufism I don't know a lot about Zen but when when I sit and talk with people and the little bit I know and maybe they know some too so we put it in the pot together we let it simmer and it comes <laughs> down to this is that you touch that sacred moment within yourself where you know that that you uh, wed the human spirit of that person. It's beyond 
everything earthly, but it's a moment that's very sacred. And uh, so, you know, I know today, and uh, of course I've been in this work now for 45 years, and I'd say, if people say, well, where have you come? I'd say, well, I haven't come anywhere. <laughs> really, I haven't come anywhere. I'm still very much as I was, but my insights are what have told me to be faithful. Be faithful to the journey. Don't seek the good. Don't seek the disruptive. Uh, put your put your spiritual eyes toward God. Mm -hmm. I hear that in the Buddhist. And Mary Webster comes down and listens with us to uh, Finley. And he's excellent because he talks about the integrity of Buddhism, Christianity, and the Oriental religions. You know. mm -hmm. So, through throughout your life, if you've had struggles or periods of difficulties, have you found your this practice to be uh, helping you through that? Yes, because you know it's passing. Mm -hmm. Next second, it'll be gone. But what people have the struggle with is how things emotionally grab them. And in that case, I'd, I'd say you are not your emotions, but if you allow the emotion, it's time. It will dissipate or it might even disappear. And so repetitive re reactions of people depend on how they were wounded. Negative, negative. And some people, they came up through life with so much pain, so much pain. And uh, so sometimes I recommend, I say, I'm not a counselor. Go where you will get some help with a breakthrough. You might want to come back and we take the next step. But they have work to do. So yeah. sometimes you recommend someone seek additional uh, counseling. Yeah, I recommend they find the someone. Path. Yeah, 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 and um, I think that, uh, you know, no matter what our, who I am, does not make me better than anybody else, because the infinite uh, love of God has no time uh, to look at the sinfulness, because that's what infinite love is like. You see, and the brokenness that we walk in through our life is not an indication of that place within each and every one of us. This is on sound spiritual teaching. In every single one of us, there's a place where nothing has ever invaded. Sacred, sacred. You are the temples of the Holy Spirit. My Father and I will come. We'll make our home in you. If we got that, we wouldn't know what to do with it if we experienced it, you know. And I know in the practice of Buddhism, you don't talk this way, but you seek the way mm -hmm. beyond the thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the Gospel of Saint of Thomas, I believe it says, yes. "Kingdom of heaven is spread upon the earth, but we do not see it." And it's very similar to the Buddhist saying, "Nirvana is right here, right now." Yes. Yes. The lotus land is, is yeah. right here and we don't see it. Yeah. And what do you think happens when people don't see it? Is, is that kind of, do you see that's what sin is in a way, is like the separation of that realization? Uh, that's that, another good question. 
I think that people have to find a dissatisfaction in the way their life is and ask the question, is there something more? I think they have to. And then they take steps to go see if they can get some inner wisdom and set them on their journey. And I don't, I don't know how to class sin, Seiko. Um, we think it's doing something contrary to love, and I think if you call it anything, that's what I'd say, contrary yeah, to that's loving. It, that's, yeah. That's good, yeah. But we all are broken. We all have our shortcomings. We all, uh, some of the, the most, uh, what I would call wonderful people I met are recovered alcoholics, recovering yeah. alcoholics, and they have deep insights, and they have a, they have a way of learning learning a way to not depend upon drugs or drink. They find a way. Well, what gives us all strength over our big things that cling to us? But God's got to do it, and I don't know what word you have. We have images of God. We have words for God. We have pictures of God, but none of that is God, of course. <laughs> yeah. And we teach our little kids, you know, in books, and this is Jesus, and these are little children. That's fine, but there's a day we all have to grow up spiritually and say, you know, we don't know it, we don't know it. It's the biggest... Uh, Do you think we all find the, the purity of God within ourselves? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I sure do. I sure do. And sometimes the, you know, the busiest or the most uh, reformed people within our tradition anyway, uh, at the same time reached high spirituality. What, what is that? You know, I have it easy here because I don't have to, I don't have to go out and do anything. But I think that if I was meant to be here, that's why I'm here. And I have loved every minute of my work. Yeah, if I had a second life, I'd do it again. But uh, I don't know if that answered your question. It's a good one. I'll think on it. Yeah, no, it, it does. And it, it, you mentioned the brokenness of somebody who, who was a former alcoholic and how that actually somehow made him more yeah. insightful and, and the compassionate. suffering yes. leads people to, so, to new ways of... That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's an it impetus for them. There's some place in the human life, if a alcoholic drinks and drinks himself to death, he's missed an opportunity. But if on the journey he gets an insight and says, I don't want to do this anymore, look what's happened. And then he's got uh, he's got an avenue to start treating or working with the alcohol, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's an easy way out and I say, I don't know if this is true or not, so you better not quote it, but that all what I would call unloving things in the world are because of pain. Because pain. Human pain. And we don't know how what we say is heard. If I said one thing, you'd both hear it differently because of your backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. that's true. See? And so, in a, uh, when people hurt and have have struggles and have pain, 
I just say, if God has compassion, those people are being compassioned because it is such a struggle, such a struggle. So when you do something loving, you do it and I do it, we help lift them up. Right. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. That we can be that kind of a light and love in our world. Yeah. And it's simple. You don't have to go anywhere to do it. There's so much violence in the world now. So much. Why do you think and that's, that's true? And that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Is there anything you've learned over the years from all the groups that come here, uh, you know, that maybe you didn't realize before they started coming? Well, the years of people coming have confirmed my own belief in the human person. We all have the inner, the spirit holds an inner wisdom and strength that can, when it's incorporated with, with what we're talking about now, we can find a way to live in our world with letting people be who they are, but at the same time, being who we are, we raise the whole of humankind into a more peaceful way, loving way of living. What was your question? Well, that's you answered it. You, you said mm -hmm. you are peace. The, the way to get peace is to be peace. It's a, and where do you get it? It's given. Yeah. Everything good is given. But we're, you we're know. We're not saying it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we go back to the Eve, Adam and Eve story. Uh, but the picture I have, if I go back there, is the first truth is that they walked in the quiet of the evening with God. We were at one. But because of whatever happened, I don't know, is that we thought we could do it on our own. Mm -hmm. No way. No way. We cannot do it on our own. And many times, deep graces come in strange clothing. But we see after a while that there was a purpose for that. No, there's a purpose. In a way, you're, like you're saying, in order to see light, sometimes you have to go into the dark. Absolutely. Before you recognize it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's why your group work is so good, because you don't go there alone. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So beautiful have you two here sitting, and we're talking like this, you know. And uh, But I think the biggest thing... And I'm so grateful. I couldn't say enough about my own dear dad, who was a hunter and a fisherman. And he was one of 11 born to my grandparents. And uh, uh, however my father got it, uh, that's what I say. Sometimes you don't know it until you think back and you say, is that he gave me the spirit to to simply let things be, and also to know love. I knew love. He didn't have any. My mother, my mother's way with me was excellent because she she made me do things I never wanted to do. To be honest and don't lie and stuff like that. But my father loved me no matter what, and I know 
that I've always had that grace available to me. Hmm. I don't find it difficult to love people and you know, but that's God through through me, through you. Yeah. To yeah. you. You just you just become that, you know. So I think that was the biggest thing that I had to bring to the ministry was I've never met a person that I disliked. That's I may have liked their ha not liked their habits or their sloppy dress, but I cannot say that I have met a person that I didn't really reverence yeah. in some way. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's wonderful. What would you say to people who are so busy and they may not have the opportunity to come to retreats or, or to be around a spiritual group. Uh -huh. Is there anything, um, any parting words you have for them or some inspiration maybe even? Yeah. Well, it goes back to, uh, to the fact that something in them is dissatisfied with what is in their lead to begin to do something on a spiritual soul level. And uh, I would say take walks without thinking. Take walks, breathe the air, do the in, the in breath, the out breath, and uh, feel the wind. Just uh, let the body be an instrument of quieting. And then to take some time. Now some people cannot sit, go sit and don't think. That's way out. Uh, but to take a scripture or a Zen reading or whatever that if I can help them I will. If not I tell them, tell me tell me what you think will most help you and then I look for it and see if I can find it. So that they will sit for maybe fifteen, twenty minutes and read and stop when something strikes them. Mm -hmm. And then journal that that experience or whatever, and then to uh, the uh, the reason that journaling is important, it helps us to objectify our inner thinking, whatever it is at the moment, even if it says, I can't do this, put it down, or whatever, and then after a week or two or three, you begin to go back and you begin to see growth. In some way, even though it's saying, I can't do this, or I found it hard today, or whatever, it's all helpful. And so I tell them to do that. Then when they come back, whatever they want to share, uh, let's talk about it. And then I encourage them. Like I had a woman the other day, and uh, I've known her, gosh, for 20, 25 years. And for the first time, I could sense in her that she has culminated everything of the past in that inner desire to become really contemplative, to take time. Now, 25 years, so what? She got there. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. And um, uh, you have to work at it, but not as a labor, but a labor of love for yourself. Mm -hmm. And would you say, like, daily? or? I would say best? daily, you yeah. betcha. Mm -hmm. and, and if people are so busy, uh, they say, I don't have any time. I say, what are you doing with the time that you've been given? Right. What do you do with those 24 hours? Right. Is there anything you can choose a time and a place? I say, have a place where you're not going to be and put all your 
phones and your little gizmos way away and just go and let let God speak to you through something and then sit with that. Let, see, I think that the most wonderful grace and positive for you and me and the whole world is just let God love you. Let God love you. You think you're worthy of being loved? Even though you did this or did that or something else, the ultimate is, is God is loving you through it all and in it all. And uh, people try to get God's love. They try to say novenas and rosaries, go to daily mass, and uh, they try to do those things to get something. And do you remember the story in, uh, I think it's in, uh, no, not Ephesians, uh, one of the Gospels anyway, of the prodigal son, mm -hmm. we call the prodigal son. And the last verse is the most powerful of the whole thing, is that when the elder son comes and said, but Father, I've been with you, I've been faithful to you, I've done everything you wanted me to do, and you never feasted me, but you're feasting this wayward son of yours, and, on, on, on. and the Father says to him, who represents God, Jesus tells a story, and this is what God, uh, uh, in, the, in the story, uh, said to that elder brother, son, all these years, you have always had everything I have had. I give you everything. I've given you everything I have. And I think God says that to us. I've given you everything. Open the doors and let uh, and know my love for you, not over the past or the future. Right now, every moment, God's loving us. You know? Whatever that reality is, I don't know. I can't even get a vision of it. But somehow, I think when we know God's love, despite our brokenness and all of this, is that we will see a new creation. Mm -hmm. And we will see the face of God in the human person. I think that's what's happening right now. We're paying the price, but we'll come through it. Because mm -hmm. the Spirit is staunch. And I think we will. But anyway, that's all Florence's private interview. So you can you can put it up on the billboard if you want. Just, just don't put my name on it. Uh, what can you and I so talk about? Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to Sister Florence. I know I really enjoyed interviewing her. And I, of course, enjoyed the retreat center a lot because I spent a lot of time there. And so what I'll do is I'll add some video footage that I took. You know, I won't add any audio or music to it, just kind of the silent uh, silence and some of the uh, impressions I got. And I will also put those in the show notes. And then if you uh, are looking for the show notes, which will be a summary of the transcript, so it won't be exactly verbatim, but it'll give you a, a good sense of what was discussed in the interview, you can go to meditationfreedom.com slash 007. And also, please feel free to leave a comment. Let me know what you thought of it or what your thinking is about Kairos versus Kronos. I'd be very interested to see what you think. And that's it. I hope you have a great day or evening or weekend, wherever you are. 
Take care. Thank you so much for joining us on the Meditation Freedom Podcast, where meditation meets daily life.